Welcome to Upper 90, a podcast presented by Sand and Surf Soccer Club. Christopher Ronaldo lines one up from outside the dead ball zone. Ooh, cleat rocket execution. Alright guys, welcome to episode 6 of the Upper 90 podcast, presented by Sand and Surf Soccer Club. This is your host, Dan McCarthy as always, joined weekly again by Club DOC, Carl Dixon. And, what's your job role again, Sam? Don't have one unemployed. (laughs) (laughs) Club, linesman, referee, chief connoisseur, coach... Whatever, whatever comes across the table. Handyman, <laughs> whatever it is, Sam okay, Ferris. I think I've got to put together a coach this week. Oh, okay. For, for the office. So Sam Ferris is back in the house this week. All right, guys. So this week, topic, we're going to go into the importance of chasing the status or levels of the game and the clubs out here. So, Sam, kick it off. What do you think? What are your immediate thoughts on, you know, the, le- the levels and status in club soccer over here? <clears throat> um... I think some people look at them as more important than what they are. Um, and when I say that, I mean some people kind of get obsessed with... We have we, we have it flighting where we are. Um, they get obsessed with playing in that top flight, being the flight one, or even you know be obsessed with playing in the academy system, whatever it may be. But I think some people get get too into it, get too into the fact that like they can walk around and say, oh, my kid plays at this level or that level. Um, obviously it's nice because as a player you want to play at the top level or at least I did as a kid but I think that other people see it a little bit more important than what it really is Okay, fair enough Carl, just your immediate thoughts before we dive further into the subject what do you think? Yeah, my initial thoughts are more based on the, the role of the clubs and the coaches I think uh the way everything's been structured out here more has been focused on those levels and gaining those levels you know used to be in coast soccer league well there still is coast soccer league the bronze silver silver league gold and now on our side the flight three two and one and then obviously we have all the other levels above it but i think the the roles of the clubs and the coaches have become more about chasing those levels and recruitment of players than forgetting about you know the coaching and the development i've also felt that that has caused clubs and coaches to make wrong decisions you know and a lot of it now is becoming based on revenue generators you know advertising that you you have a goal team or a pre-academy team or whatever it is you know helps then in recruiting more players and more players to then build you know a bigger club which you guys know makes more money at the end of the day so not to say everybody's doing that but it felt like that has played a big part in you know a lot of those scenarios I think we were talking before about where we what we kind of grew up in and we just really had like town teams you know we played for a town or whatever it was and mm. there was no real level you just played in the league 
you know, you play it against. So Manhattan Beach would play against El Segundo. And no matter if El Segundo were good or bad, or higher level or, or not, your, your town team played them. And if you either won the game or you lost the game or you got absolutely battered, it didn't matter. But there was no like, oh, we're a flight two team, we're a goal team because most of the kids were playing because they enjoyed it or they're chasing the dream of making uh, the semi-pro or pro clubs academy team. So, yeah, it's just kind of interesting. Obviously, in our levels, the way it's been built and how everything now has been advertising. So... So yeah, it's definitely a more money-orientated outlook to the club soccer maybe than it was 10 years ago. You know, it's such a big kind of business now and it's ever popular in this area. So there's definitely marketing and money to be made, as you say, with advertisements and stuff. Sam, just quick comparisons. So say maybe to the level you played back home, how would you compare you growing up, you know, at these young ages, what kind of level you played at in comparison to the ones over here? So your, you know, hometown team, as Carl would say. Yeah, very similar to what Carl said. I just kind of played for the 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 local club in my area. So I'm from Wigan. Uh, we obviously played in the, I think it was called like the Wigan Amateur League. So in the town of Wigan, there's a lot of different boroughs, like different areas basically. So for example, I played for a team in a place called Hinley. We were Hinley Juniors, I think. We would play against uh, similar teams from different parts of Wigan. Um, and basically, like Carl said, there was no kind of set level. It was just basically, if that area happened to have a team in your age group, you, you know, you played against each other, you know, and that was that was kind of basically it. We weren't tiered in, in the kind of, you know, one, two and three system. There was no promotion and relegation. It was just play the, the different teams that are in your area. And then there was slightly bigger, like, cup competitions that we had, like, like the Manchester Cup. Mm. So Manchester's obviously a city, which obviously has loads of different areas and boroughs which have loads of different leagues. So let's say you play in the Manchester Cup, you could get drawn against anyone in Manchester from your age group. Mm. No idea what the team's like. You just go, you play them like a one-off game. If you win, you move on to the next round. If you lose, you're done in that cup competition. You just go back to playing in your league games. And it was kind of not a lot of travel, all localised because you're pretty young. Um, Some kids playing because they absolutely love it and they want to be like pro soccer players. Other kids playing just maybe because their friends play. <laughs> there was always some players on a team that were just terrible, you know, and they were they didn't want to be there, but maybe the parents would had signed them up and kind of made them play for the year just to get them out and play in a sport or whatever. Um, yeah, so very similar to what, what Carl just described. So how would you compare your team to, like, Flight 1, Flight 2, Flight 3, just to kind of give the, maybe the listeners more of a, a comparison? Uh, or even... ECNL, I've, DA, were you an academy level player? Growing up as I was young, my team, I remember being quite a weak team in the first few years I was playing. Uh, when I got a little bit older, <clears throat> I got a little bit more serious, I started playing for teams that were in, uh, well, they weren't really in different divisions, they were just a little bit more serious, so they were the better teams. Mm. Um, and then from there on out, it was uh, for me going playing for different academies just because I'd done well on those teams. So I guess, again, still no flighting. I just kind of went and played for maybe the, the better teams. Right. And it was basically just because I was a little bit more serious and I wanted to go and play for better teams and play with better players and have better coaches. That's all it was. I agree. You're welcome, yeah. Big fish in a little pond. <laughs> I think what Sam's describing is kind of what our goal in our club, like with the localised playing, mm. you know, 
uh, he played for his town team, you know, up to a certain age, and so did I. And you know, it was local, it was close to your house. You played with most of your mates that were either was in the same school, you know, yeah. and that kind of thing. And that's something that we promote in our club. You know, we certainly do up to those age groups where we feel then, you know, you have to take it a little bit more serious. But uh, I think all this flighting business and level and status, I think parents for sure should think more about that. Like, you know, the localized plan, the convenience of playing with your mates up to certain age groups. Uh, other things like, you know, looking at the, the club structure and, and the coaches and uh, whether the coaches are in, in it for the right reasons. You know, we, we all grew up, the coaches weren't paid. You know, they, they were in it for the right reasons. Well, you know, and there was some good ones and there's some bad ones for sure, you know. But uh, again, you know, no, none of us were traveling 45 minutes yeah. to, a, to a training session and you know my big question to somebody who is especially under the age of like 11 10 is like what why are you traveling that far for what reason you know can you not get that 15 minutes from your house you know and, and I understand like the kids maybe in our area who travel to StubHub to play for the galaxy I can understand that like maybe the kids at that level and you know, it's now challenging him, but, you know, to, to travel 40 minutes for yeah. a flight two team, yeah, I, I, don't, think, I don't really understand I that. think on that one, I, I'm the same, it's a little bit silly, and from our point of view, it's quite easy to see that, that it's a little bit silly, but I think the reason people do it is because they feel like it's, they have the potential to then go on and play at a higher level, so let's take Galaxy for example. With them having that academy, I think people see the bright lights that, oh, my kid might be able to make the academy team. So even at seven, eight years old, they will travel, and sometimes they will travel past the places where local clubs actually practice at. They will drive past the practice fields, through traffic, across town, just to take them to Galaxy to play at the same level in the same flight as the fields that they're actually driving the kids past, just because they have this thing that, like, or they've got Academy, they're LA Galaxy, they're this, they're that. I think that sometimes kind of convinces parents to do that. And looking at it, we, we see that as a bit of a bit of a crazy decision, a crazy thing to do. But what can you do? How do you how do you change that? So you're telling me you don't love getting up at six o'clock in the morning and driving over to the dreaded hill in Real SoCal at eight o'clock in the morning for a nine year old flight free game? I don't ever enjoy that, no. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it just just on that, it's interesting. Uh, I was talking to a ref at the weekend because I had to travel up the Real SoCal too, and it's just ludicrous that we're traveling an hour when the kids' games. Fifty minutes. You spend the yeah, kids spend longer in the car yeah. than you on the field. Yeah, uh, you know, obviously it's been something we've talked about a long time, but just for our listeners and people in our club, we don't promote that for sure. And look, Real SoCal are great great competition you know really enjoy playing against a lot of their teams for sure but the travel is just it's not worth it you know right. anyways that's off off subject but yeah I, again back to the the flighting and the levels it, it's just it's very interesting you know it's like even when you talk to some kids like the 
first thing they say is, I play on a flight, one team. Yeah. You know what I mean? They don't, it just, it's become such a norm, you know, and the chasing of the status, you know, like we have it a lot in our organization where we have teams that are just on the cusp of playing in a flight one. And a big talking point that we have behind the scenes are, are the kids up for it? You know, are the parents willing to invest a little bit more time? You know, because it's not just as easy as now you're a flight one team. Yeah. You know what I mean? You have to potentially train more. Your mindset has to change. You know, maybe you're going to lose more games than you win more games initially. You know, things like that. So it, for me, it's all timing and it's all, is it a right fit? And our players are right fit, you know. I, I think a lot of organizations just literally advertise we have a flight one, flight two, flight three before they even have seen the personnel. And we've seen it, you know. There's a lot of teams that probably shouldn't be in all these different levels, you know. And are, are, the, are those clubs making decisions based on the personnel of the kids? Are they making it based on, well, if we put this out here, gets us more kids you know and then the, the flight chasers as I like to call them <laughs> you know they follow they do follow it yeah you know they really sure. do they really do so I think there could be more decisions based on the personnel and development but it's it just seems it's, it's keeps <clears throat> going the other way it's crazy to think that some people make decisions on what club to go and play for or what team based on the flight as opposed to the coach it might not even matter to some people who's coaching it if it's a flight one team. Status. Level, just a, just the a fact that you can, yeah. you can, you know, pick pick your kid up from school and be chatting to the other parents and be talking about, oh, this weekend we're playing this team because we're flight one and have that status as opposed to being able to say, oh, I've got this great coach who every week he's challenging my kid, he's making my kid better, he's making him or her a better person. Sometimes, sometimes it's you know they're so obsessed with the status that their kid, their individual kid, is not even getting the development needed because they might not even play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 like yeah, they're just joining the sure. team, they're That's riding good, the bench, and they're not their kid's not even point. developing. It's just a you know, and you can go back in twenty years and say, yeah, I remember the good old days when I was eight years old and I played on the best team in the league, but then now he doesn't play the game when he's fifteen, sixteen because yeah. he never found his level, he never developed yeah. adequately, and he was pushed out the game eventually. So it's patience, right? No, for sure. I uh, I had a question the other day about uh, the ECNL league. For, I think first of all the question was, like, what what is it? You know, the parent didn't know, so it was great they were asking. But I think partly as well it was because maybe they were being recruited as well. Yeah. And they didn't know much, and I kind of told them the background of it and all that. And then I said, look, you know, if there's somebody recruiting you for this team. Do your own research, you know, look up the team, look up the coach, look up the results. Mm. Now, we know results doesn't mean everything, but if there's a team in those levels being whacked, five and six nil, which I think it these teams are, yeah. then what, what you why, why would you go? Why would you go to that team or why would you want to go to that team? So just because you can say you're playing at that level and you have that ECNL badge on your shoulder or what, whatever it is. So, you know, I always push people to do your research, you know, ask about 
the, the coach of that team, you know, ask 20 people and see what it is. So, but, uh, you know, we, like Dan said, we see it. A lot of kids make the decisions based on the status. And then we turn around and we see a lot of them playing 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. And they've actually taken more back steps than forward steps, but just to say that they can't, they've played at that level. And for what reason? When you're 16, 17, whatever, well, you know, we, we know the burnout and the dropout age. What, what was all that for? So credit to the people that stay patient. I think it's very tough in, in, in our area and our scene, as we like to call it. I think it's very tough everywhere because obviously you guys know I lived in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know but, that. But no, it, it's the same because you always get you always get those people and those families who they are like attracted to the, the status and they can they can also be a cancer on the sideline of trying to take other players with them. And it, it's a credit to those those families who are strong enough to say, actually, no, that's not right for my kid. We're in a good environment. You know, we're staying here. We're trusting the process. So I would say credit to those, those families who are... Uh, <clears throat> educated enough to do it and strong enough to do it as well because it's very easy to have your, your head turned people thinking that grass is greener on the other side but sometimes it's not the case yeah I, I think there's other situations where people need to chase it at some times like some people do outgrow levels for sure but it's it's all timing you know and, and if you have a honest coach and an honest club they'll push you yeah. to that level. Like, here's an example. I played a game at the weekend, uh, 04s against a Slammers team. And it was it was in the rain, which was fun. You know, kids were buzzing off that. Mm. And uh, the Slammers team, were, were it was a decent game. And the team were good. It lo- looked to me like two teams could re- really ready to push into flight one. Uh, but the goalkeeper had an ECNL goalkeeper top on. Right, and which is fine, and the goalkeeper was was very good, like really good, and yeah, I was talking to the coach before the game, and then I thought I the goalkeeper pulled off this great save, like a really unbelievable save, and it was very tactically like he was wasting time, he was coming out, he was both feet, like he was very good, and uh, I said to the coach, you know, because we were kind of chatting back and forth, I was like, he. He plays an ECNL as well, right? You know, it's just kind of a comment. Like, I couldn't care. And the coach was like, no. I was like, really? It's like, no, no. He, he's trying to get there. And I was like, uh, where did he get the shirt from? You know, it does have the badge on it. And then I was like, if he's trying to get there, I think he's already there, you know? And uh, the coach is like, no, no, no. He's got a lot of things to improve on, but... To be honest, I think the coach was lying and trying to kid himself and yeah. thought I was like turning around to him going, hey, Make you're playing like higher level players. But I wasn't. I was kind of like, you know, he pulled off a few great saves. I was like, oh, great save. And if that keeper isn't playing ECNL, then that coach has to have a hard look at himself. Yeah. Or if that keeper isn't playing on their highest team in the club, that coach has to look at himself because that keeper should be. And I think that happens a lot too. Like there's a lot of kids that do deserve to be pushed on to better levels, and then it doesn't happen. So it's just timing, and hopefully people 
making right decisions and clubs and coaches and parents making all the right decisions based on yeah I think think that's something where the the parents should really trust the coach on that one and you've got to trust your coach in that if your player is good enough to be moved on to a higher level and and the team he or she is playing on that coach should be you know if anything trying to help that player move on it might be calling another club who has a higher level but I think as we've said some coaches are still unfortunately in it for themselves and uh not everyone would be inclined to do that. It's a tough thing to do. I've, I've had to do it. I had a couple of teams that we literally had to pull apart in Florida because we kind of sat down the coaches and we said, like, look, the, these players are getting to the level that we can't offer them that academy level. But they're the, 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 you know what I mean? We'd, we'd hung on to them for a year before and they were there. And there was a couple of academy uh, clubs that had academy status in the area and we basically sat around, we made some phone calls based off what we knew about the coaches in the different clubs, we then recommended them to a certain club uh, over another one because we didn't want them going to a club where we thought they could be in a better environment, if that makes sense. Mm. So we knew we were going to have to push them onto Development Academy. We sat around, kind of figured out which was the best academy for those kids, contacted the director and basically said, hey, we've got, we've got five or six kids here we think might be good enough for you. Mm talked to them about them and said, look, can we pass them on to you? We don't want them to go to this other club because we feel like you're, you're, you have a better environment for them, blah, blah, blah. Some of them kids have now playing and making the national team pool. And that, was, some, that was something where that hurt the teams that we had, but it was better for them players. It made you feel proud as a coach. You you're part, now, yeah, now you, part you know, of that process. You know? Now you've, you've helped them out. You've helped them get onto that next level and it's now someone else's job to, to push them even further. Go on, Carl. I know you want to jump on it. I'm, don't worry, guys. I'm still here, but yeah. Cool. <laughs> You're the host here. <laughs> People really want to hear us talk. Yeah. <laughs> no, just there's an interesting one that we see all the time is when you're playing and you see this team in your league and in the first 10 minutes, your team's winning very comfortably. And you're, I always turn around to the coach and I'm like, why are you guys in this flight? Or why are you guys playing at this level? And... I've had this a lot of times where the coaches turn around and go, look, if we weren't a flight one team or a flight two team, I would have lost all my players. And there's a prime example of just making bad decisions off statuses and levels. You know, maybe he should have lost all his players because he's in the wrong. Yeah. yeah. He's in the wrong level. And And that's a big thing like where I think honestly, our club really does a great job like we it is not easy to make these tough decisions on your team's not ready and we're not doing it and we do lose players because of it sometimes but there's no way there's no way we like that attitude of parents want to play in that fight so we're automatically just going to go and do it and that's the sad side of it like the, the games turn around you know it's it's 5-0 to a team in the first 10 minutes. And who's getting anything out of that? You know, who is really getting anything out of that? So that that's an example of the recruitment. That coach literally was just doing that so that he could keep his recruitment yeah. and all there. But yeah, uh, go on ahead, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> sure. On that one, can I just jump in? <laughs> no, on that one, I know... Uh, I, I just want to. No, I just want to clear something up for parents. I'm at home. Just, the SPN, sorry, just, just, just in case there's anyone who who 
might kind of come back at us because of the things we're saying. Um, Are you scared? Like, are you nervous? No, no, no. I just want to just want to clear it up, like nip it in the bud. Um, we're not saying that like kids shouldn't be challenged by this by saying you know like because it sounds like we're saying that you know kids are playing at the wrong level and they're getting beat up on. There's nothing wrong with you know getting battered in some games here and there because you can take learning experiences from it. Just what we're saying, just to be clear, is it shouldn't be happening. If it's happening every week, they're obviously out of the depth. If it happens maybe two or three weekends out of the season and the rest of the time you're competing, there's nothing wrong with that. That's healthy. Mm-hmm. So just for anyone who's who's going to jump on there and say, oh, well, you know, you're trying to be all nicey-nice and you're saying that you don't want the kids to ever get beat. We're not saying that. We're just saying it's there's a line between it being beneficial, getting beat and being able to take things from it and compete, as opposed to just getting beat battered every weekend well what you see as well is most times when we'll just call it flight one right most times when a team's in flight one and they are getting beat badly like 95% of the time next year that half that team's gone anyway so so that's you know we really think about that and go okay will this team be able to compete 50% of the time and if they don't then we can't push them that level and Maybe people are unhappy with it, but at the end of the day, for development purposes, yeah, we we feel that we're doing the right thing. So, and I anyway. say we're putting development first. We're not putting wins, results, well, are the status, badge, yeah. level ahead. You know, for sure, individual. We want to be part of the journey. We want to be part of the process as coaches. That when the kids go on to the next level and go further in their careers, that we can say. We were a part of that and we helped in the right way. Uh, they can get us free tickets, can't they, to all the yeah. national team games when they're playing on the I'm national sure team? pretty sure not many people remember how many tournaments and trophies they won as a seven-year-old, because I know I don't. Don't know about you. You do. Yeah. You do. <laughs> when the yeah. trophy cabinet is that big, it's hard, you know? Weren't you just looking at a picture of your trophy cabinet? <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, so just a quick one. Um, what about, say, just want to continue with the flight in... What about like underflying and overflying? You know, because you, you see so many teams who are not put in the right flight. Yeah, I know we've talked a, a, around it a lot, but a lot of teams, you know, for example, when how can you as a coach? Is it a coach's decision? Is it a team manager? Is it a club decision? You know, I'm, I'm, you guys can offer a bit more insight in that. Well, it's definitely not a team manager's decision. <laughs> but well, all right, all right, yeah. I'll tell you why I say that because I've had times where I've played teams who have we've been smashed by a team and we've also smashed a team and me and the coach who's a nice guy or a nice girl at the time has said like you, you kind of say why are you in this flight and I've heard the excuse oh my team manager accidentally registered me in this flight so that's yeah, why well, I say that no no I think that's a prime example of an organisation so why does it happen it. why do teams get overflight and underflighted? I think pressure. I think, yeah. honestly, uh, pressure from... I don't even know if it's club or parent. I think it might be both. I think the pressure of, you know, having to have these levels in your club because it then acts as a recruitment tool yeah. to build from the bottom. So, uh, look, in our organisation, you know, we have a management team. And, you know, Dan, you can talk as a coach, but you're very involved in you know what your team should be doing at the next point like it's mm. it's a group of five people discussing it and throwing out their opinions and sometimes there's a disagreement but we all meet in the middle mm. you know but i don't think uh all the organizations have that you know like you said i do i actually do think there's more team managers out there that control the teams than some of the coaches 
So, and then, yeah, pressure, you know, pressure from parents, hey, if we don't play at this level, we're leaving, you know, and, and that's, that's tough, but luckily we don't deal, have to deal with that. We, we make the decisions that we know that's right. Yeah. yeah, and sometimes we get decisions wrong as well, but I think 90% of the time we're, we're pretty much there. And it's important to say that even when we do get it wrong, we're still making them decisions for, for, for the kids. Yeah, for the, yeah. for the right reasons. It's not, you know, nothing, it's nothing personal. We're, we're doing it for the right reasons. Not egotistic, it's more. Under flighting, though, it's funny that you went from uh, talking about your trophies to then asking about under flighting. Cover all levels of the game. <laughs> I, I think personally, especially we see it with tournaments a lot, uh, whether it's coaches or the team manager, tend to under flight the teams. So basically, let's say it's a flight one team, a medium flight one team, they go into a big tournament and instead of playing flight one like they, they play in the, in the league, they see it as an opportunity to drop down to flight two and go and win, win a tournament, win a trophy, win this big, big tournament, and be able to, you know, go home and stroke their own ego about it. I think that's that's part of the underflighting. Yeah, it's interesting you brought that up because sometimes I hear people say, you know, it's 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 nice to win a tournament though. Of course, it's nice. Yeah. But it's not appropriate to win a tournament five nil every match when other teams are in their right level. Uh, I, I I think it's complete rubbish that coaches and parents want to play in lower level tournaments just to win. Yeah. That's the whole, is that not the opposite about playing sport and competing? You compete, yeah. you know, really two guys at fitting levels to see who wins at the end, but just to jump into, Hey, we, we won a tournament. And honestly, you'll get some coaches that say, like, we, I need to win a tournament. I need to win a tournament. Like, or else he's going to lose his players. You know, don't know what your thought all is on that, but... I think it's sad. It is I, very it, sad. It, it, for, and this is, you've got to remember, we're coaching kids. This is not, it's not a results business like it is in a professional game. Jobs are, I, hope, I, hope, I hope to think that jobs are not on the line here for a lot of coaches out there in the game and you know if you're under the pressure and under the the impression that you have to go out there and win a summer tournament in July to keep your job in the game then I think you, you're how, in a bad place how many times have you guys been in a tournament where the group stages are like 1-1 2-1 tight games you get to a final yeah. and then you get beat 9-0 yeah I've seen it when, when I look on the like the scores at all the tournaments you, see, you always see Ridiculous. some brackets where a team has gone all the way through, not conceded a goal, scored five every game, and like, yeah, and you know, look, there's some times where the the tournaments don't do themselves favors either. That's where true. we we'll enter a team in right, and then they don't tell us that that your flight one team is actually playing against. There's only flight two teams in yeah. this tournament, but they let us enter it and don't tell us because they want the money. Yeah, and then our team's in there. And then we all sit in the sideline going, this was a complete waste of time, a waste of money. And we're emailing the tournament director saying, hey, could you not give us a heads up? Maybe we would have jumped in a, a tougher tournament. But that's how we think, you know. So when we're sitting on the sideline winning games, you know, with heavy score lines, we're, we're not really celebrating it. If anything, our coaches are like, 
what a waste of a weekend because yeah. you want your teams challenged and then yeah. you guys as coaches want yourself challenged you know you want to be in that game where you know like Dan an example is the game the 06 game at the weekend that we were at mm. you know what a great game to coach and be involved in yeah, two yeah. tight teams you're having to make adjustments you know that's the games you want to be involved in you that's don't want to be sitting on the sideline with your cigar out you know and the boys banging in goals, you know, it's right. pointless for anyone. No, I agree. You know? That's why you slash try. That's cigar why you slash cognac, you know, like whatever you, whatever. Martini in the right you know, <laughs> Louis Vuitton slippers on. You know what I mean? Like the amount of times I see coaches. Could tell you live in Manhattan Beach now. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of times I see coaches like sitting there, and I'm like, I want to see this coach challenged. I want to see him have to. Can he? Is he going to have to change his formation? What's he like coaching when he's losing or it's a tight game? Right. You know, because that, that's what's really going to make you better and the kids better. Agreed. And that's what we're all seeking for, right? You, you want challenges. If you're in sports, you want to be tested, right? You want to, it's, it's a competitive yeah. nature and you want to be tested. For sure. If you're, not, if, you're doing, if you're not doing it for that, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. So just to kind of summarise, um, one final question. Just, you know, quick thoughts on this and then we'll get going on to part two. Similar question I ask every week, just to kind of give the listeners a more generic and more of an idea of it on this topic, in this specific topic. Sam, jump on it and then we'll finish with Carl. When do levels... Why Sam? I was getting to go first. Uh, <laughs> when do... Spoiled child. When do... Only child. Not spoiled. <laughs> only child. Yeah, I know how that feels. Sam, only child or...? I had to share with a sister, didn't I? Oh, okay. <laughs> when do levels become important when does status levels we have to jump up to the top level when do they become important what age I why? think the listeners can probably answer this question <laughs> on my behalf because <laughs> I, I, I say the same thing every week no I do, I do think we always say like youngers and olders but I think where we are does it go further in yeah, yeah I think where we are it actually changes yeah I think it does Like, thank, people, thank you Carl you know <laughs> Like people say, when when is club soccer too early? But when teams have five year old club teams here now, like, what is the norm? Do you know what I mean? So it's the same as like, unfortunately, you know, maybe I can side with some of the listeners. Like they're always like, oh, you guys talk about your hometowns and what you did and. We don't have time teams here. We do have younger groups with flights. Mm. So all I can say is find a club and a coach and a team that fits your level and is fun, is local, and also you have a coach that cares and tests you and is a decent person and teaches the kids character and all that. Try to find that within, I feel, the younger age groups, whether you're on a flight one, two, or three team. And then... When you do get to that age group that we always said, like 11, 10, 11, 12, maybe that's then when you start looking at yourself or your kid and going, are they ready for something else now? Yeah. I think so, you know. Unfortunately, you can't say, you know, don't look for the flighting and this and that because it's broken up like that. But you don't have to make a decision on that. That's not the be all end all. Yeah, there's more important things you should be making a decision on. For sure. So there's no need to go on the SCDSL website, do three hours of research, and you can your your time would be better spent researching coaches. Yeah, uh, well, look, you could go on SCDSL, and if there's a team trying to recruit you and saying they're a flight one team, but they've lost every match, 
they're not flight one team. It's a status They should have been a flight two team. So right. that that should be the first thing in the back of your head is, okay, this coach is saying they're a flight one team. Well, they're not. Mm. So then the next point is, okay, maybe the club pushed that coach to do that flight. So let me dive into looking at this coach. You know, what what's their what's their way with the kids? How are they? If he's got a great reputation, then maybe it is a fit. But you, you have to add them all, all the little things up, I think. You know, it ha- it has to be six or seven boxes. But if someone's just going to a team because it says flight one, gold, pre academy, DA, ECNL, I think you've already lost your own battle most of the time. That's a good one. Any final thoughts, Sam? No. No? Easy, easy Monday morning <laughs> for you, then, isn't it? All right, guys, good one. <laughs> and then heading into flight two for league review. All right, heading into flight two of the podcast this week. You like that, didn't you, sir? You mean part two? Getting better with these jokes, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, flight two this week. Full league review as always. Weekend happenings, things you saw on the field, off the field, things that went well, didn't go so well. Just a quick reflection on how we did as coaches and how our teams did. Anything, any funny stories that you guys might have? I'm sure there's always a few, so... Let's go with Carl. What you got for us, Carl? Jump in. Oh, he's got in your head now, hasn't he? He's yeah. got in your head. <laughs> it's um, nice to, for you to come to me first for once. Uh, I know you're ready. Go on. Uh, it's, I don't really have anything to say. Oh, he's not. <laughs> he's not. the script like that. No, I, I'll go. Come on then. So, this is a good one. I think for... What, what our podcast is all about but I actually said to you lads earlier I haven't seen this before but I have actually seen it before to a different extent so 77 match before my game I'm watching the game but it's all good I'm not sure if it was 2010s or 09s but uh, both teams are playing all good you know and then and then I start to hear the coach shout some random things like rabbit, like basically animals. He was shouting animals, right? And then uh, I noticed that he was shouting it when it was set pieces. <laughs> so free kicks, throw-ins, and corners. Now, got a, got a few code words for his set pieces, right? I've got one, fox in the box. Uh, <laughs> Fox trap. <laughs> yeah. No, but the best thing was he had this thing around his neck that was like <laughs> that was like an A4 page, but like half of an A4 page. Like American football. Laminated. Oh, and he was no. pulling he was pulling this thing up and he was shouting, you know, turtoise. And the kids were executing short corners. Now, I know I said I've, I've never seen that before, like to the extent of NFL with the thing, but I don't know if you guys know Palace Verde's high school team, their varsity team hold up signs with like shapes on it, like big white signs for what set pieces they do. So I said I'd never seen that, but 
that's a little different extent but i just thought like this guy had taken the time to like laminate he had this little thing around his neck and i just thought it was hilarious so but he's also gone and taken the time in his practices with tens or oh nines to work on these things rather than just working on proper things what what was your favorite animal that you said <laughs> Uh, no, to be honest, I can't. I can't remember. Uh, I think he had sloth. It's not. It's always that lay down. <laughs> no, but I just I thought that was brilliant. I, I'd never seen it to that extent of like like Sam said that that was literally. I think this guy might coach PB football. The other times and took that into it, but just hey. just so ridiculous. Failed to prepare. I'm, I'm, right? I'm going to piggyback on that. I was doing a, I was, I was doing a coaching course in Florida a few years ago because oh, obviously if, if, people, if people don't know I used to live in Florida and uh, you know like you do you know there's all, always like question and answer and discussions and stuff and this one guy puts his hand up we were talking about something but I can't remember what he puts his hand up and he says this guy coaches in college he was like an assistant coach in a college at a division one school he says, I think they call it, we have a set-piece coordinator. So there's a lot of, like, um, European guys on this course, and we're all kind of looking at each other, because this guy's an American guy. We've already seen a few of his sessions, and he's already, you know, a little bit... Coach is a little bit different, has a little bit of a different view as to what we do. So, like, everyone's, like, quiet, waiting for what he's going to come out with. They have a, a coordinator who sits in the stands at every game... Now, this team has set pieces, like we just talked about. I don't know whether they have them on a card or not. And basically, when they call it a set piece and they set it up, this guy's job is to watch the opposition. If the opposition look as if they know what's going on because maybe they've scouted them or they've watched video and they know what set piece is coming, if the opposition set up in a way that they're going to kind of stop this set piece or they know what's going on, his job is to then stand up and start waving his arms and it cancels the play that they were going to run. What do you mean waving his arms? So he like he must be in a position where like maybe like the guy who's going to cross the ball from the free kick must have to like look over and just check with this guy before he takes a free kick. <laughs> and if, <clears throat> if, if this guy's waving his arms around and shouting, Omaha, 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 <laughs> they don't do the set piece. <laughs> Oh, and he stood up goodness. in front of hundreds of candidates on this coaching course and told this story with a, with a straight face. <laughs> what was this, the, the UA for A license? Unbelievable. It was advanced national diploma. It was equivalent to the C license. And he was talking about signs and Omaha <laughs> at a Division One college. Oh. That's interesting. Unbelievable. Story, I got. I guess I've got a decent story. I know Sam wants to tell it, but I'm going to jump on it. you got the other one. But, uh, well, you should probably talk about the set pieces those guys were doing yesterday with uh, Wilfred Zahar's long throws. Uh, you can, I'll let you have that one. But yeah, something that I'd never seen before. <coughs> um, maybe not as unfamiliar as yours with the animals, Carl, but my 07 game last night over at the glorious Marine Turf Field in Manhattan Beach. 07s are playing against Real Socal. Uh, competitive game both teams going at it high intensity um, and we're about what 25 because Liam you and, Liam, you and Sam were there yeah. watching spectating uh, about 20-25 minutes into the game and I just hear out of absolutely nowhere let's go SoCal yeah. and 
it was a full-on sideline chant from the opposite parents. Brilliant. And it was it was pretty loud. It was very partisan. And I think my parents and even myself were pretty shocked. Yeah, hold on. You're talking about chants? You've never heard the Jimmy Bedner chant? <laughs> I've never heard the Jimmy Bedner chant. He's big, he's red, his feet stick out the bed, Jimmy Bedner. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad, that. But I've never heard, especially in 07 games, you know, 10, 11 year old boys. I love, I, I can't like that. Oh, I'll be honest, I thought it was dreadful. It was cringy. It was the cringiest thing I've ever seen in my life. Hey, speaking on that, why don't we put a little competition out for our listeners and our kids? If anyone can come up with a club chant... I'm going to shut that down immediately. We can, we can put this together no, for we are a, not, a state cup. We are not becoming that club, are we? Surely. Like, surf, let's go surf and sand. Surf and sand. <laughs> surf and sand. <laughs> we can't be doing that, can we? I couldn't believe it. I was, I was taken by, back by it a little bit. And I think, what was it, five minutes to go? Yeah, five minutes, four after. I tried to start my own one. Oh, and there's no I tried. Way. I tried to get my parents going. They just didn't want to. They didn't want to know. Yeah, you still don't have a personality, do you? No, I don't know if to it's be that. Fair, your, your parents laughed. I think your parents saw the funny side of it. And yeah. Kind of realised how stupid it was. Yeah. Who were you playing? We had some cow. <coughs> okay. So yeah, I, 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 you a fan of it? Nah, I, I, I'm, I'm better than that than shouting stupid random stuff. True. Yeah. So uh, at least they're supporting their kids. At least it was lighthearted, yeah. Sam, you got, I know you got a story from that same game as a spectator of the oh. game. No, no, nothing major. So it was, it was a what, all, all seven. To be fair, the field was quite small as well. But yeah, it was quite funny to see uh, Real Soul Kyle. They were actually quite a decent team employing the uh, long throw tactic like the Sam Allardyce long throw tactic Stoke no Stoke Stoke yeah I guess Stoke maybe a little bit more famous for it Tony Pulis they were just launching everything in the box weren't they yeah we'll have to get some tips for uh, from the coach from Marlborough for next year well, what about the Liverpool coach? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, maybe, oh, yeah. Maybe, we get him, maybe we get him on board you know there's now a kickoff specialist <laughs> They do that in. If, uh, if, what, if there's any parents, Sweden? any parents listening, where the club is actually on the lookout for a club-wide kickoff specialist, uh, send your resumes to Dan. <laughs> we will look. We will look at them all and very, very seriously look into your application. You, 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 don't, well. you don't like the 2010 backheel kickoff? Yeah. I've told them a million times. Why are you keep doing that? And they just laugh and they do it back. Backheel every time. Brilliant. Uh, Funniest thing I saw at one of my games this weekend was uh, little 2010s getting middle of the warm-up. One kid comes over and says, coach, coach, uh, can I use the bathroom? Yeah, yeah, of course. Be quick, though, because we're getting ready to start the game. So he runs off. I'm carrying on with the warm-up. Out of the corner of my eye, I see this red shirt next to a tree. <laughs> the kid's going to the bathroom on a tree in the middle of the field. <laughs> Brilliant. Old school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very Full on yeah. old school in the park. Quick quick pee before Sunday league. <laughs> you can get done for something like that. Well, well I thought my, my first thing was like, what's he doing? And then I looked round and like oh, it, there was like there was like no one in that area, there was like no one around and I just figured, alright, it'll be alright. It's a kid. <laughs> and they just carried what, on. What about like I remember back in the day? <laughs> like you watch like, you know, adult Sunday league. I remember men taking a knee. Yeah, yeah, and just you know, Eddie uh, Eddie Pope relieving themselves. USA International did it at the World Cup, didn't he? That's right, yeah. On the uh, warming up on the side of the field and just took a knee, but he got caught. Then he with all the cameras. Yeah. Luckily, nothing, there's no cameras. Nothing better than Gary Lineker. Huh? 
Gary Lilliker in, what was it, 86, 90 World Cup? Did I don't know. Number two on the field. Oh, eh? Google it. Anyways, keep talking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you ever seen that before? Yeah. I don't think I've seen yeah. that. Don't recommend it, guys, by the way. So we don't want to see kids, you know, <laughs> taking a knee or squatting down in the middle of the game. So let's not do that. But no, a couple, that's a interesting one for you there, Sam. Let's switch over to like the games. Now the funny stories are out of the way. They were good ones for this week. Sam, how oh, did you... Hold on a second. I've got this Gary Neville. Sorry, Gary, Gary Lineker, Gary Neville. But it's more like a bit of a... more of a shot. Yeah, it's more. It's more. <laughs> it's not like he, he didn't just like he's not squat. Curled, he's not curled on out. Yeah, yeah, right. Yes. Okay. Anyway. I, I imagine there's probably many footballers that have done that. It's pretty famous. He gets ripped on Twitter every single day for it. So, uh, but uh, Sam, how are your games this weekend in terms of what you know, the things you did in practice, the things you saw, how your how your teams played? Yeah. So as Get everyone, a bit of tactical knowledge out there. everyone listening will know, a lot of games were cancelled on the Saturday because of the rain. Uh, so I actually only coached three games this weekend. Uh, I had four that were actually cancelled. So it's uh, quite nice, got a little bit of time off. Um, my boys 2010s played on Sunday morning. Uh, probably one of the best performances they've ever put in. Played a team who we played last week or the week before. Um, uh, to be honest, we absolutely battered this team. Passed the ball really well out the back. We usually do anyway, just because of the build-out line, that helps us. But then <clears throat> the most impressive thing was when we got into midfield, passing it around the midfield, then into the final third, some really good passes, some really good combinations. The boys were even trying through balls. There was at one point where, I think, goalkeeper passed to left-back, who passed to the left midfielder. He knocked it up to the centre-forward, who, with his back to goal, then with one touch, switched it out to the right midfielder who then played a through ball for the forward who'd made a run, and we almost scored an unbelievable goal. Tiki so, Taka. doing a lot of good no, no, things. No. Dolka. Dolka. Oh, that's Dolka. It. Dolka. What does that mean? Anyone know? I hear it all the time. Dolka. No, a lot, lot of good Spanish, things from the tents. We won the game 2-1. <laughs> <laughs> one 2-1 two, one could have easily been 7-8-9-1. Uh, goalkeeper for the other team had a really good game. Uh, my girls all sevens played late last night after after Dan's game. Is this Sam Ferrer's fall league review? Like, <laughs> you don't have to get uh, goal score. <laughs> just just quickly, we don't need a nine minute round. Uh, We'd like to hear it, Sam. Girls played really well. Started a little bit slow, but after the first ten minutes, were were very good. Um, most pleasing thing about the girls was everything that we've been working on in practice this last week. They were trying to do it in the first half and then the second half. They had another good try at it and did really well in the second half and did pretty much everything that I asked of them. Uh, didn't win the game, but we scored some really good goals, played some really good uh, some really good soccer. Um, and then other than that, I covered one of Carl's games at the famous Real Soul Hill. Oh. And was unfortunately beaten again, came undone on the hill. We were down 5-0 at half-time because we played uphill in the first half. And it finished 7-5. It was an absolute goal fest. Wow. But yeah, still... 0-3 on the real so Cal Hill unfortunate like Stoke City on a Tuesday night can you do it on the, you know what I mean? yeah, it's tough clearly you can't I'd like to uh, I'd like to hear if any coaches have ever won on that hill I've won once was it actually on the hill though because uh, earlier on you told us you yeah, didn't know what hill we're talking about it was at that field I don't know if it was on the hill so can't, can't confirm hey you'll know if you're on the hill yeah, can't, can't confirm but I've lost many more than I've won I'll admit that for sure Carl how are your games 
all good. Uh, the rain obviously played a part in some cancellations. It was, it was good fun, the, you know, the Saturday morning. It was chilly with the rain. Brand new rain jacket was on. Felt, felt like I was back home. Uh, on turf, 04 super fast game. It was fun. Uh, then I covered 06 game, which is a very tight game. Pretty much what, top of the table clash. You know, you were there, Dan. Was put in the strings, yeah. yeah. I think more more of an assistant role, really. Yeah. <laughs> I agree, yeah. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it was fun we got. No, it was a good game. That was Sunday. That was fun. Sunday at the twenty tens, we played a a really good Real SoCal team. That team were, you know, a little step ahead of us for sure. It's good to see they played the right way. Yeah, it was a good challenge. I think it was like eight to five or seven to four, one or the other again. The 2010s, there's always tons of goals and all that, but... It's good entertainment in the other Yeah, over, overall, everything was pretty good, you know. I enjoyed the little bit of rain. Thought I was going to get a whip out of my parka jacket, but <laughs> next minute it's 80 degrees. Crazy, isn't it? I was getting ready. I had, the, I had the fall clothing line ready to go, you know what I mean? Do you want to talk about that? Uh, nah, shopping spree on nah, ice? Pe- people know, I, you know, there's a few people that made comments on the style and the tight jeans, but hey... Somebody got to do it, you know. Somebody, <laughs> hey, you can't buy style. You're born with it. You know, so. <laughs> anyways. Listening to that. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. This weekend, I started the five games. Two of them cancelled due to the rain. Uh, so I managed to coach each of my three teams once. Uh, boys 06 first. Home at Miracosa. That big, that brand new field at Meadows. Big field that, to be fair. Um, Boys played well in the first half. We worked on played out the back this week and attacking and creativity in the attacking third. They done some good stuff. Played out the back. That was better. Took a good you know played very well in the first half. Took a good lead into the half. Second half, unfortunately, just lost our composure. Lost our effort. Um, wasn't the same game. Didn't combine very well. Started going more direct. And as you guys know, on a big field, going direct, boys get tired quickly. So that was unfortunate end to the game. But we go again. Oh nines. Played against LA Breakers, a fun game against them two weeks ago. Coach Kevin coached that one. They tied 6 6, so it promised to be the a good one with game. The chip goal from Free Kid. Yeah. Did we get an answer whether that was. Uh, confirmed. Confirmed. Yeah. He didn't mean it. Fantastic. No, he meant it. <laughs> Roger that. He Roger that. But yeah, no, so we played them. Coach was a good guy. They played great stuff. Both teams trying to play the right way. Again, Onai has worked on playing out the back. We've done very well at that. I'll give him credit for that. Really well doing different things, not the same old. Push it to the side, hit it down the line, push it down the side. You know, we were mixing up, switching the ball well. Again, very good first half performance. Second half, melted away a little bit, lost our composure again. Um, recurring theme for them, but we'll get that figured out, hopefully. And then last night, as you guys, we've spoke about a little bit, boys 07s, played a, a very vigilant, defensive 07 Real SoCal team. We've done very well. Did Suffocated you, uh, us, frustrated did you, us. Did you check the birth certificate of that goalkeeper from Real SoCal? <sighs> Size, wasn't he? He's massive. He's bigger than the goal. Yeah, I think he signed a pre-contract with the Kansas City Chiefs for the NFL in 10 years' time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he was a big boy. But, yeah, we struggled. We didn't have a cutting edge. We played very well in terms of... Our, we did play very well as an overall, but our passing was better. We possessed the ball a lot more than them, but just couldn't finish. And, you know, in this game, you've got to score goals, right? So, one of them weekends in coaching where it just doesn't go your way, but, you know, you hit the reset button and you go again next week in practice. So... But yeah, definitely the the uh, let's go Soul Cow Champ that made up for it. That was a a good spin on a. Have you never heard of Sam's Champ? No, what is it? You got one for us? 
Uh, well, I'm more singing about him in Hermosa. <laughs> oh, it's, a li- it's, a, it's a little related to the England chant of summer. Yeah, go on, what you got for us? You like be high singing Wait, there, let me let me see if I. Two o'clock in the morning at Sharkies. Remember the lyrics. Sam, do you know about the song? Or? No comment. <laughs> Looking back on when we first met, I cannot escape and I cannot forget. Ferris, you're the one. You still turn me on. You can take me home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Inspired by the ever famous Atomic Kitten, that was Carl Dixon hey. with Sam Kitten. <laughs> hey, have you not heard that at Hermosa Pier? I've. Do you know what? <coughs> the escapades you've of not, Sam You've not been to the bars for a while, have you? <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since been down that much I've heard, but... heard barmaids sing that, you know. <laughs> the Barbie Army. Whatever. <laughs> is, is that what I can hear at Lord's in the Barbie Army? <clears throat> Let's move on. What's that next topic? Did <laughs> <laughs> well, I hit that tone all right? Where did, where did you sing? Solid what? 7 out of 10? Hey, if there's any music producers out there listening, <laughs> you never know. Can we get a Tommy Kill on the podcast? <laughs> Uh, that, hey, Dan's chat will come next week. <laughs> oh, Can't wait for that. Final question then. Just something that I actually had someone ask me this as a coach. Um, and I, you know, as coaches, we all like to learn off each other, share ideas, get each other's thoughts on certain things. So um, something that I was asked, I'd like to pitch to you guys is when you're driving to the game, you know, your hour drive to Real Soka or even your 20 minute drive to Dorsey, whatever it is, do you set premeditated goals before the game? So, you know, a lot of coaches out there will say, yeah, we just want to win the game. Or, yeah, we want to score five goals. But from, like, something that's related to maybe what you worked on in practice, do you say, I want to see ten passes from the back? Or do you guys set, like, two or three goals that you want to see in the game? Do you just really focus on what you've worked on in practice? Okay, guys, I want we've worked on playing out the back. I want to see us do that very well. Or do you have more specific goals or recurring goals that you do every week? Kind of, you know, what are your thoughts on that? We'll go with... Who looks more ready? Let's go with Carl. Ah, like again. Yeah, he <laughs> He's dodging you again. <laughs> you're, you're overdoing it now. Uh, for certain age groups, yeah. I think for the 2010s, it's continually looking at the fundamentals. You know, playing out the back, you know, looking for players to pass to, when to dribble, when to shoot and all that. I don't really necessarily make them certain goals. It's just building on that. And then the 04s, it's, you know, building on the previous week's performance, who we're playing against, you know, and what we're doing there. So usually that is in my head on the Friday and my drive to most games is filled with maybe a nice little podcast or call my mum and dad. Oh, a little superstition that we're hearing. No, no, it's just... A little pre-match ritual, get Jeff on the phone before the big game. No, it's usually the time when I'm in the car the longest and, you know, know, so no, I don't really think... To be honest, I don't really think about it too much either. I think if there's any coaches out there who's driving to their game stressing about what's going to happen, you're in the wrong mindset. But yeah, Friday night, I pretty much have like the kids who are going to start and who, you know, what, what's going on there and just kind of like have my little, I usually have three points that what, what I'm looking for, mm. you know, so that, that's about it. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. I must admit, I did Skype my dad on the way to the podcast this morning. Did Mate, hey, minute chat on the phone, so the way, it's not just you. Don't ask Sam what he does on a Friday night. Yeah, we, we won't. It's a different podcast. That'd be as child friendly. Yeah, yeah. Was your uh, Was your dad asking about me? You all right. Yeah, he said he can't wait for the next night out in the most so Oh, said, my goodness. He did say... I thought I saw something on Instagram of him shopping for some more golf gear. So I, figured, <laughs> yeah. I figured he might be getting ready for a little trip. Like a pilot coming there, Max. Hey, question, does he unbutton the top button or is it tight all no, the No, he keeps it casual. Yeah, he keeps it oh, casual. He keeps it casual. Yeah, but he's he's always... southerner, he keeps it open. Yeah. I'm surprised. I've seen Sam a lot with his top button unbuttoned. I think he's going to the gym now. Every now and again. It's too much chest day, isn't it? It is. It's that chest there. Those three years. Sam, pre-match rituals, not anything related to your extracurricular activities the night before, please. No, no. Very similar to Carl. I'll always kind of have a plan in practice. Scott Jeff or? You're calling my mum. I just want to see how they're getting on. <laughs> see, see what they had for dinner the night before. <laughs> Friday, probably a Chinese. So, do you have a pre-match meal, Sam? As a coach, do you have a? I, I like a good. I do like a good uh, McDonald's breakfast on the way uh, to a game. God, athletes, please don't listen. No, to no, me. no. Does he not like his little sushi night? As on, Snapchat on, and it's Instagram. On, uh, it's on the weekends on a Sunday. Well, Sunday sushi. Yeah. Sunday sushi. And is there a photo of a Miso or a Kieran Lake? <laughs> Which one first? <laughs> uh, anyways. Anyways. <laughs> if you guys don't follow South House on Instagram, you're looking for a good, good food choice polls or something like that. Get on there. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'll just always set them some challenges, usually based on like what we worked on in, in practice. Uh, yeah, nothing, nothing outrageous for me, just quite... Quite simple. Give us an example. Uh, so the all sevens last week we worked on switching play, mm-hmm. mainly through our centre midfielder. So basically, I gave him a challenge in the first half. We said we got to switch play at least five times, which they did. I think we we ended up six or seven, and then the second half because they did so well, we just upped it a little bit and said okay seven. I think seven or eight times, which they did. They surpassed it. We were like twelve or thirteen. Mm-hmm. So the girls were consciously just trying to switch play, which helped us in the game, helped them become better, helped them get into good habits. Yeah. And that's kind of why why we picked that one, just because we've been working on it through the week. Yeah, so we've got two kind of very similar, <coughs> but kind of very contrasting in respect that Carl's more generic and has more generic goals, where Sam maybe might be more specific in what things he wants to see. Um, personally, I'm kind of specific in what I always relate, what we did in the week. So if we worked on power on the back, I'm looking for power on the back. And then the other stuff that comes in the game, you know, tackling, passing, shooting kind of give the boys and the girls the freedom to kind of do that in the game and then if we struggle with it we work on it the next week if we do well at it then we don't need to address it too much but yeah I kind of like to relate what we worked on in practice and I like to specifically look for that in the game so are we doing that well that means that we've done well in practice I wouldn't say I'm generic because I pretty much said the same as you (laughs) I only broke it into age groups so older's in training, I reflect on the previous match, which I mentioned, and whatever we worked on there, mm. you obviously take it into the game. Now, let me ask you this. If the previous match with the Olders, you know, we call it 11 v 11, we had trouble defending, but then you're playing a game where you've got more of the ball, you can't really say to the players, hey, let's focus on our defending because now you're transitioning against the opposition, which I also said. So some might say I'm being a little bit more specific than generic. 
Some might say. As a, as a host, I would like you to pick up on stuff like that <laughs> instead of being lazy. Well, uh, you know, football's a game of opinions, as, as we can see there. And I think Sam showed more specificity in the fact that he was like, we've switched the ball six or seven times. So I think, you know, Sam might be reflecting on his mathematical sense and he might what's, be more What's good though is we're all not really stressing and thinking too much about the result. Obviously, we think about the result, but it's, it's not the goal. No. You know, if we get that week in training right and everything that we've done, we feel that it should be successful. And if it isn't successful, like you said, then the next week you're focusing on what isn't and trying to fix that. But mm-hmm. again, I, I think no parent as well, our coach should be stressing in that drive or that night before. Can Should the kids stress? I think a little bit, yeah. It shows they care. Like I remember when I played, like the night before, you know, you'd have the butterflies in your stomach. You'd be going over in your head. What you know, you'd be visualizing little things. You know, I can remember doing that when I was younger. Like you know, first tackle. You know, I'm gonna break someone's leg. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) we don't endorse that. (laughs) No, but you go over like your first tackle. I'm gonna win that first tackle. That's where I'm winning it. You know, so the kids should be going over little things and be a little. Nervous, but I think the coaches shouldn't. Coaches just get stick a podcast on or stick an album on and just yeah, call your parents. You know what I mean. Call Jeff, see how he's doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You like the country western channel? Yeah, no, go country one hundred and five. Yeah, <laughs> keeps you hey, a, a good one to listen to. The Star Is Born. That soundtrack, brilliant. <laughs> that I'm, movie. I've seen the movie. Any good? Ah, oh, very good. Recommend? Yeah, keep that to the movie podcast, you okay. know, but very good. It's how to say Okay, but, uh, but a great, great little album, that. Yeah. Sam, anything final thoughts from the weekend? This, that oh, one, that oh, one oh. there, fellow coach Kevin Panetta, he's, he's definitely a stressor. I think he should listen to that soundtrack and, you know, just relax. Take, a, take a breath, Kevin. I've seen uh, Big Kevin in the, uh, in the bars with uh, pieces of paper, jotting down formations and... Oh. You know, drawing arrows here, there, and everywhere. What playing the four-two-four formation? I don't know why hey, it was. He was playing. Phone maybe. number. Kevin, he's under more pressure than Mourinho, isn't he? Stressing, but Kev, hey, relax yourself. Take it must, it easy. Must be hard doing a different coaching lessons every two weeks. <laughs> 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 Sam, any final thoughts for the listeners on your full league review? Or are you you okay? Happy to get onto flight three? No, let's go on to it. Yeah, part three. Yeah. Flight three. All right, guys, we'll see you in flight three. Heading into the final part of the podcast, flight three this week. There is no Premier League review as the Premier League is on an international break. We're not going to talk about the international break because that is the most pointless exercise. We, I think we all agree with that in soccer. Don't get excited about watching international games, to be honest. So this week we're going to do an extended version of the <coughs> Q&A. We've actually had a lot of questions come in from Paris this week. Thank you for that, guys. We've managed to window it down to our favourite three. The other questions that were submitted, don't worry, we'll get onto those in further related podcasts as they as we see fit and be more specific with the subject. So first one, guys, going into the physical side of the game over here. Parents seem to have such an emotional response to physical play. What do coaches say to players about physical play, retaliation, the role the referee plays in all this and how or if they should adjust their play to this situation. 
So I think that's a great question from club advocate Jeff Brown. Cheers for that, Jeff. Guys, who wants to jump on this one first? Are you going to let me go first? Yeah, go on then, why not? Carl's too busy. So before the games, whatever age group I'm coaching, whether it be the little tiny seven-year-olds or, you know, the, the older kids, I always say, break or be broken. By that, and I'm only, I'm only joking on that one. I'm is, that, is that that Wigan background? <laughs> Sneaking in there, isn't it? That, that. Um, no, I mean, I don't put a lot of emphasis on it. I do encourage any teams that are coached to be physical and be aggressive because it is a big part of the game. Um, I would never encourage a kid to be, you know, over physical where the, the crossing the line of actually hurting another kid. But I think that it's healthy for kids to be physical and aggressive with each other. You know, it's uh, it's a contact sport, so there's you know there's there's no nothing wrong with you know going shoulder to shoulder with someone or both hitting a tackle hard. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know if I can go into any more of that. Keep going, en- encourage yeah. encourage them to be physical and aggressive, but obviously, so not not going over the top of it. Parents, when the so, game goes, fit gets physical. So what do the question says? What do coaches say to players about physical play or retaliation? Uh, look, I think on the boys and girls side, I think through every age group, you have to be able to handle yourself. In my opinion, uh, I think there's certain age groups where physical play can be looked at. I think people sometimes think kids mean things when they don't. You know what I mean? Like 2010 age group, the taller kid runs into the smaller kid in the sideline, give the old WWF, ooh. And like, there's no way that big kid means that. It's just, it's the age group. But again, it's like, like we said at the tens, you got to be able to handle yourself. So if you do get bumped over or, you know, someone slides you and maybe trips you, you got to get up. You know, yeah. you got to be able to handle yourself. And the parents, unfortunately, have to be able to handle themselves to know that, like you said, it's it's a contact sport uh, and things are going to happen. Uh, I think as the age groups get older, for sure, there's going to be malicious stuff that's going to happen. And hopefully what we do is put our trust in the referee and put our trust in ourselves and the other coach that when things do happen, to approach it in the right manner. I... I don't know. Give, give me an example. What is, is there any examples with that question? Like, did something happen recently? Well, I, there wasn't an example in the question, but I can give you an example from one of my games. My 07 game last night, my second, my second midfielder, Jackson, made a, well, a quality sliding tackle play, got the ball, obviously got the player with it, but the ball first. And I think the generic soccer fan would have known that was a great tackle. We want to encourage, you know, physical play in the right sense, but the referee gave it a foul and, was closely giving him a yellow card where it was a clean play. So maybe it's a cultural thing. They don't see as much of the slide tackling and that. So maybe the referees and parents over here are not as accustomed to it. But in my eyes, and I don't know if you saw it, Sam, but I know Liam saw it and we spoke to it after the game. We both agreed it was a brilliant tackle. And just We've seen more of that coming from the UK, but over here it was a clear and evident foul. Yeah, uh, I think... there's I think there's two parts to this. There's this question and then that, what you're talking about there. Uh I, I, in those situations, you know, the players tend to look at us when that happens and seek, like, mm-hmm. was it right or wrong? Yeah, and usually yeah. what I do is, like, 
good effort. You were trying to win the ball. Don't don't let that deter you from not doing it next time. Mm-hmm. You know, and just move on. Like so, because if you think it's a good tackle, but maybe the ref thinks he's came in from behind and being a little harsh, the game is slightly changing. So. All it is is just making sure it doesn't shy that kid off from never trying to slide again. That, that's the big thing. Yeah. But I think, for me, reading into this question, is it not more of when the game does become physical? Yeah. So what us as coaches condone and what the parents should do, is that what we're looking yeah, at? Yeah, I more think it's of? more of the I think on how this one, is it managed it's when probably, it gets to that state. probably falls on the referee. Because like basically they are in control of the game. Obviously we... We can prep the kids beforehand, and we can tell them to be aggressive or not be aggressive, or whatever. But when they get on the field, it's it's the, you know we're not controlling them anymore. The referee has to make sure things aren't getting out of hand. Where if referees let little tackles go, and then it kind of boils over and boils over, then it could end up eventually getting dangerous for for the kids. Mm. But I th- I also think that parents can have an impact on that as well because obviously we see it all the time or we hear it all the time. One kid gets fouled one sideline starts jumping up and screaming and shouting at the referee and it's a foul and it's the worst thing that's ever happened and that kid should be arrested for GBH. Two minutes later, <laughs> two minutes later, you know, a player from the other team gets fouled. So because the other sideline have jumped up and screamed and shouted, the other sideline now thinks they should jump up and scream and shout louder. It goes back and forth, back and forth. And then obviously it doesn't help if the referee lets those kind of things go. The game kind of, you know, Pick, picks up momentum yeah, and gradually yeah. starts to get out of truck control. Yeah, I, I think from our club end, our coaches don't really get wrapped up in it. And, you know, you never hear our coaches saying, uh, like, you know, there was these fouls and it was physical. And I think if any coaches are saying that, maybe move on and focus on something else that you can fix. The game's going to be physical at times. And hopefully we put our trust in the ref to manage it. But at the same time, like, I, look, and I don't have a, have kids, but someone's going to get hurt out there at some point. Like, it, it just happens. You know what I mean? Like, we, I've been involved in games where a 50-50 tackle, nothing malicious in it, and someone's broke their leg. It, it's a contact sport. Or someone slide tackles, wins the ball. Maybe the way the player's ankle falls, you know, and they've done their ankle. It, it, it's going to happen. And I'm sure when you're a parent, and you're watching your kid and something happens to him like that, it's awful. Yeah. But at the same time, we have to we have to react in a kind of manner that suits the level and the age. Like, I think that's the big problem. Like, when the game gets physical for us, it doesn't really affect us. But when it does for the parents, it, it yeah. gets over the top sometimes. But mm-hmm. it's a physical game, you know. We, we don't condone our players to go out and hurt or foul anyone but at the same time you have to be able to handle yourself you know like anybody who's <clears> played sport you know especially a contact sport will know like the first tackle is huge in some levels sets the tone. it does set its tone. and to be honest there, there I, I think in the 11 v 11 game and higher there's some players that'll go out and they will give a foul away at the start you know and that might get in the attacker's head but it's just part of the game, and you just got to be able to handle yourself Take for that more moment. Approach to it from yeah. The yeah, unfortunately, I do see a lot of our kids not being able to handle it and get very emotional. Yeah, yep. you know, and come after the ref or you know complain about it, and I do think that stems from the culture and does co- come from the sideline. 
You know, look, if you get fouled, all right, stand up and say a ref, he fouled me, but then move on very quickly. But I think sometimes it affects our kids way too much. They get emotional and then they crumble. They do, they, they crumble, you know, so... Agreed. Yeah, it's just all about being able to handle yourself. And then being having a more relaxed demeanour on the sideline, no, no need to get into a... A shouting match and yeah. who we, can scream louder. We say it and Carl just mentioned it, we don't have kids yet, so we, we're never in that situation no, where we've seen our tough. kid be, you know, smashed from yeah, yeah. 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 So we, we, we can't come out and know that feel so but all we can, all we can kinda say is it's best to just try and keep your head and, you know, not worry about too much of it. It's not personal. That kid's probably not going after your kid for anything other than just trying to get the ball and win the game. Like that that's all it is. So let me ask you that's a good one. Because I've heard this before and I know what I've said, but your kid comes off. Your kids come off at this sideline half time and goes, "Coach Dan, Coach Dan, he's pushing me. He's grabbing my shirt." So I want to know what both of you guys at that point say back. Sam, I would just say just get on with it. If the if the referee doesn't call it, there's nothing you can do. And if he's going to do it to you and you feel like you want to go ahead and try and do it and the referee doesn't see it, why not? What do you say then? Push harder. <laughs> For me, you know... Pushing back? But no, no, you know, always be fair and always play within the rules. I'm not going to advocate, you know, making an 11-year-old kid cry, 10-year-old kid, whatever the age is. You know, it's not about that. But as Carl said, you've got to be able to handle yourself. We, I think we all come from physical natures of play back home and we're accustomed to that. So maybe we have more of a, a sense to it than others. But if you're getting pushed, for me, push harder. It's like, you know, eat or be eaten in that respect, right? You're either going to get bullied out of the game and it's going to affect your game and you're going to be rattled for it or you're going to, you know, push back, look him in the eye and say, look, I can play too, you know? It's, it's, it's fair to be 50-50 in them situations. It shouldn't, you shouldn't have to be dominated or bullied from that. So, yeah, for me, push harder. That's what I would say. Yeah. And that's right. Carl, anything or? No, I, again, I, most of the time, I, I kind of look at any age group, you know, girls and boys and go, look, ah, I was getting very physical, by the way. I don't know. Uh, Sam, you know, imagine a kid called Sam. I'd be like, Sam, look, I I don't play the game. And I can't say anything to the referee. So you're just going to be able to have to deal with it and figure it out and handle yourself. You know, that's pretty much it. I think maybe saying direct at that moment, pushing back could maybe make the situation get a little... Yeah, but yeah, but no. I kind of just say, look, you've you got to be able to handle yourself. Think about it, you know, to try to put them in. And then what they can do is, you know, if someone's grabbing their shirt, you know, I don't know, you know, they might have to roll their body off them more or separate the distance earlier or stuff like that, you know, or lean on them, you know. So, but yeah, it's just... I just go back to, like... What my granddad used to say to me, it was just you got to be able to handle yourself and stop moaning, you know. Get on with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then we have that saying back home, you know, you get the ball or you get the man, but n- not both of them pass you, you know. Now that's, you know, but it's just it's being able to handle yourself and handle the moment and not get too emotional, yeah. you know. If you're one on one with a keeper and some some kid comes sliding in, takes you out, uh, fair enough, get up. You've got whatever you got out of it and move on. But there's no need to get emotional and cry over, he kicked me, no. you know. So, yeah, I think people could probably take a little breather on that stuff. But the game's becoming quite soft in terms of what we were used to growing up. Like, yeah. 
you know. So yeah, we we got to move with the time slightly, but everyone's just got to move along and not hang up on it too much. Yeah, yeah. good one. So good opening question. Up next, second question: Does it help or hinder a player's development to play both club and AYSO? When do you know it's time for club? Do you want to explain what AYSO is for our listeners that maybe don't live around here? So, yeah, ASO is... What is it? American Soccer Youth Organization? Am I correct in saying that? Yeah. So it's more of a a, a recreational side of the game. You know, anybody can kind of play. You can pick up a local team, you know, play for your region. So North Redondo, Manhattan Beach, whatever it is over in our way. But... More of an open entry to the game of soccer, not as met, not as serious, not as committed in terms of the level and the commitment required to play at that game. So more of an entry level to the game, uh, whereas club is you know a big requirement. You sign up for the year, you train twice a week, play tournaments. It's more of a serious outlook to the game. So different levels. Not saying you know good players in both, bad players in both, but one's more of an entry level into the game of soccer over here, and one of them is more of a serious approach, more of a more professional approach to that. So the question being again, does it help or hinder a player's development to play both club and AYSO, which you can do over here? Um, and if you are an AYSO player and you're doing well or you're not, whatever it is, when do you know it's time for club? When do you take that big step and become more committed and more involved in the game? So Sam, jump on this one, mate. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, back to oh, Sam. Back to being first. Back to Sam, it. two in a row now. <laughs> um, I think it helps and hinders kids that are playing both. Um, it helps obviously just because if they're playing more soccer, they're getting more touches on the ball. You know, they're they're still running around, they're still keeping active, they're getting maybe extra little bits of fitness in there. Um, AYSO is good in a way can help them because let's say you know it's uh they do like the the draft, so we get like some strong players and some weaker players in every team. Playing with if you're the stronger player, playing with weaker players can help your game by having to help those players. Uh, maybe you take on a bit of, bit more of a leadership role. If you're a weaker player on a team, it can help playing with better players because it can push you that little bit more. Um, but when it comes to hindering, I say that because a lot of it depends on the coach, in my opinion. So obviously, for those back home, AYSO coaches are all volunteer coaches. And a lot of the time, it's um, a player on the team. It'll be the, the mum or the dad is usually the coach. Um, in some cases, it works out great because... Some of the mums and the dads have, have played high level of college uh, soccer. Uh, some have even coached, have coaching experience. So in that case, it's again, it's another. It helps because they're getting more more instructions from uh, qualified coaches, if you will. But if you happen to get a coach who is just basically maybe they've volunteered because no one else on the team has volunteered, they're doing it because maybe they have a little bit more time than than other parents, but they may not have any knowledge about the sport or coaching the sport, that's where it could hinder them a little bit if this coach is giving them, you know, contradicting instructions to what you're giving them if that player is playing on your club team, if that makes sense. Uh, so that would be that would be kind of my take on it, a little bit of both. Okay, good point, sir. Carl? Uh, Sound defence as usual, Sam. But yeah. Help or hinder, I, I don't really want to, you know put my opinion of does it help or does it hinder but I definitely think it doesn't hinder their development to just play the game as much as you can play the game you know what I mean like playing it more than not it's gonna 
I think help you in some aspects but I, I think in, in our area where it can, can play a big factor is the mindset and the evaluation of what you take out of what happens in AYSO to the club side so for an example for us when we, when so a big thing where we grew up was you, you played five a side all the time but you never took you never evaluated yourself in that area and took it into your higher level of playing and was like, yeah. well, in five aside, I bang goals in from yeah, yeah. you know this position. So I should play forward every yeah, time. Yeah, or I should be doing that all the time. Yeah. And I think that's sometimes where that hinders a little bit, you know. And I think that hinders a little bit of the the coaching thought for parents as well, you know. So parents see things happening on the IYSO side and be like, well, well, why is it not happening on our club team? Yeah. Why is it, why is Johnny not doing this? Because he does this on IYSO, but it's two different levels and it's two different environments. You know, it's the same as a lot of the kids play futsal in futsal leagues, which is brilliant. You know, again, does it help or hinder them? Uh, for me, it helps them just playing more. It hinders then when you take in the feedback from that environment to your actual club team and think that, you know, Sam's going to be doing Maradona's, you know, yeah. in his 18 and Ronaldo chops, you know, that's what futsal is all about. So I, I would say, again, I, I'm a big advocate of play everything and play anything as much as you can, but you have to be able to tweak your mindset and evaluation and feedback for different environments. You know yeah, what I mean? I love, a, love a good cliche on the podcast. Uh, I, think, I think a good cliche to go with this one is don't compare apples to oranges. No, I, I think it's brilliant, yeah. And we are big advocates of our kids playing more and more. You know, I love it, but I think too many times the, again, it's frustration. A lot of it's frustration, like, comes from whether it's parents or kids or then they're like, well, well, it's happening here. Why shouldn't it happen there? And it's it's just two different environments, so... I think the other, what was the second part of that question? That when was, is it time for club? When do you know it's time for club? Look, again, for me, I just think the kids should play as much as possible. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I know that, like, academy players aren't allowed to play high school, which it's, you know, that's a topic in itself, but just play as much as you can, in my opinion, and touch the ball as much as you can, but... Don't think if you're playing in an under-12 ASO game that a lot of the stuff that happens there will happen in a club under-12 game because more than most it won't. But if you can just be that kid that goes out and plays every level and adjusts your game to the level, brilliant. So that's... Oh, I, I'm not going to tell anyone to give up playing the game. I don't no. need to do anything. <clears throat> I don't think we should. Just on the second part of the question. I would so. go ahead and just say that, like, when, let's say you're playing club on AYSO, if if you start to find or you're not enjoying AYSO anymore, that would maybe be the time where you give it up and you just focus on your club. Same thing being, let's say you're not enjoying club anymore, but you're really enjoying AYSO, maybe club's not for you and maybe you should give that up and be an AYSO player. Trial and error. Just yeah. And I think we would uh, we talk about all the time on the commitment stuff is <clears throat> we're not being selfish towards like club, but people invest a lot of time on the club side. And when I say people, the parents and kids and money as well, 
ESO is a shorter term thing. It's also cheaper. I think if you're going to play both, we always say, look, make club a priority. You know, so unfortunately, if you've got an ISO and a club game on the same day at the same time, make club a priority. But, you know, if you can make both work in the day, then is what it is. If you can make both practices work. But, you know, the, people are putting in a lot of effort to do this all year round and it should take priority. Mm-hmm. But again, if you have opportunities to play more, take it when you can. Yeah. You know, so... Uh, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. NYSO in this area is very popular. Yeah. It is, and it's, what is it, the second biggest region, maybe third, yeah, you know, yeah. but and we're, we're big supporters of the kids playing as much soccer as they can, but I think a lot of the time, a lot of comparisons from that side come into our side, and like Sam said, don't compare apples to oranges, you know what I mean? So... Yeah, I think just echoing what you guys, I think you guys both covered it very well, but just kind of echoing, I think as coaches and as players, we were once upon a time, we played every single day and we want kids to play. As a, you know, as coaches, I think a lot of us, if we could, we probably would coach our teams more than we do now. And we're never going to stop kids from playing because touches, touches, touches is the only way to improve and get better. And I think twice a week for some people might not be enough and one game at a weekend. So it's always great to get the extra touches. I think... Just as coaches, though, I'll say what I think, and you guys can agree, disagree, but, you know, as coaches, I think the only conflict of interest would come where kids would pick up bad habits from maybe AYSO coaches who say to kids, you know, because, you know, we're we're very happy that the kids are getting the opportunity to play extra touches, and the, it's great that guys are out there and, and you know, mums and dads are out there volunteering their time to coach these teams and put their kids in these games, but at the end of the day, they are volunteer coaches, and they're knowledge on the game might not be as intense as it is with ours because we are professionals and we do dedicate time to train and and learn our craft and get better at it so I think the only frustration that comes from a coaching point maybe would be if a kid is doing this or being told this at AYSO by a volunteer coach and then they come into the club practice or club game and they're trying to do a rainbow in a six-yard box because the coach told them it was good to express themselves and you know maybe that's where the frustration can happen that's maybe why coaches get this stigma of hating AYSO it's not necessarily that. We like our kids to play and we like our kids and we enjoy the community and we love people who are out there dedicating their time to the game. But time and place, as Carl said, apples and oranges, as Sam said, you know, got to know when to do things and where to do them. And, you know, like anything, if you're having an expert tell you to do something, someone that's paid to do it, you should trust that opinion and put more into that rather than something that's volunteer. And then Carl finished on it there quickly about prioritising which is which. If you're you know, if you're spending that much money, you're spending that much time in club. We kind of touched on this last week about if you want to coach your kid, don't pay for a coach, is what I said last week. And it's the same thing with a player, right? If you don't, if you're not too serious about it or you don't want to prioritize soccer as your number one sport and only sport, then maybe club isn't for you. But if you are paying for that and you are wanting a professional coach and you are wanting to train and play in a higher level, then you have to prioritize that. And if you have an AYSO practice and a club practice at the same time, Maybe you should make the smart choice of going to the club. But again, if it doesn't conflict and you get the opportunity to train four or five times a week and play, brilliant. Do it. It's only going to help, you know? So that's my kind of thoughts on it, Carl. Go on, what you got? I've got, I've got something there. What you were talking about there in your second piece about the coaches, like AYSO t- coaches telling the kids, and maybe it's counterproductive. 
I honestly feel like a lot of our kids could probably be stronger thinkers for themselves. I know we were, you know, and unfortunately the culture in America is very coach driven. Players have to listen to the coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of the sports are very play driven, like the coach will call the play. Mm-hmm. And soccer's not like that. And, and I can remember growing up, uh, I even still to this day, you know, people can say whatever they want, but I, I'm playing in it. And I got to think for myself and agree or disagree. And I think probably more of our club kids could go on the ISO side and be stronger thinkers and know that maybe the way they're doing things is right. And if the coach is telling them to do other things, they could get away with it and continue to do what, yeah, yeah, they can. Yeah. And I think they could do that and stem that into, but unfortunately I think this coach control of players in this country is, it's a little over the top for me. You know, you, you watch shows like Friday Night Tykes and all these other sports. It, it's it's actually disgraceful what how they talk to the kids and what they get kids to do, mm. and just because they're called coach. Yeah, I think I think actually so it's quite got, embarrassing. They've got no coaching licenses. No, no, I, and you know, look, that's not to say all the coaches on the club side are fantastic either. But I just think if you're an eleven year old kid playing ASO and you play club and you play soccer all year round, if it's a volunteer coach, I think that kid has maybe more knowledge or information within themselves to know what to do in the game. Mm. And if the coach does say, hey, do this and that, you can nod your head and put your thumbs up. But it shouldn't really affect you as a player over the course of two months. Because that's really what it is, right? (laughs) Two and a half months. I think that's what we probably all did as as a player. You knew kind of whether your coach was a, a good coach or you know not a great coach let's say like we all played academy football we know that those coaches are better than those coaches that we had when we were just playing local football mm. and you could kind of like like Carl said you can go and play for that team listen to what that coach is telling you but know in the back of your mind nah, I've been told something different from kind of a better coach maybe kind of yeah yeah so yeah, on yeah. Your, uh, hey on your town team what did you call we didn't call them coaches manager uh, no but they weren't what did you call them? We just called them by their names. Their first name. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, that, and that's where, honestly, I feel like there's a big control factor right yeah. here. Yeah. You know, coach. It goes back to the status thing. Does, yeah. it, does it not? The status no. of being a coach. When, and... I, when I was eight years old, his name was Brendan. Yeah. No. And it was Brendan Sad. Yeah. It wasn't coach. No. But the moment that's said out here, there's some sort of thing that, like... Stigma. Yeah. It's, it is. It's crazy. It's overpowering. And, again, my advice to the kids is... Playing everything, you know, if you're a full-time soccer kid, you should really know the right and wrong take answers pit, to most things. Take bits and parts from all situations. Yeah, 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 rather than so. being religious to one thing, yeah. Sam, do you want to finish on your point now before Carl jumped in on it? No, no, I was, I was done with it. I was just, oh, basically, we could determine the, the right from the wrong, if you will. The, yeah, so we the, want to encourage... The, the better to, from the best. Yeah, we want to encourage the guys to be problem solvers, because that's what soccer is, right? Problem solving, making decisions, and we mentioned it earlier in the podcast. You've got to make decisions in the game. Pass, dribble, shoot, you know, whatever it is in a simple term, but we want to encourage our players to be problem solvers and fingers. And I think we even touched on it in a, our full league recap in Flight 2, you know, um, making decisions on your own and what we coach... 
maybe we focus on one thing in the game, but all the other stuff we let the kids figure out for themselves. Yeah. We don't coach passing if we haven't really worked on passing that week, maybe some of us, and we allow the kids to be free with that and express themselves and be, you know, show what they can do with that and make their own decisions. So that's a good point. All right, guys, final question of the week. Just wrap this one up. What do we go with? We've got so many. What we're going to go with? We're going to go with this one. All right. So, where is it? Let me get it in this big list of here. All right. So, what do you think, or do we think, should we say, about what happens when a player quits mid-season? So, why do players quit? What's the effect on the player, their teammates, and the culture of that team that they've quit? And can the coaches slash parents spin it in a positive way somehow? This has happened to a few of the parents in our club and other clubs, and they just kind of want to get a grasp on our side of it. What happens? You know, it's unfortunate when kids quit the game. We don't want to see that ever. But, you know, it happens for whatever reason. How do we kind of handle that? So we'll swing it around to Carl. Off you go, buddy. So, yeah, are we talking about kids quitting the, the, the sport in general? Are we talking about people quitting their team and join another team well the like, question well, is about. three or four questions in itself but the, we'll go with, we'll break it down into parts so the first one is what do you think about what happens when a player quits mid-season well I, I think there's a lot of factors that can stem into things like maybe there's a kid who's not quite gelling with the team socially wise or personality wise and is not enjoying it you know uh, I don't personally condone quitting in any scenario, but I can understand if maybe the family are like, look, uh, it's just not really working out. We're not going to play club and we're going to go and do something else. I can understand that. Hmm. There are situations where people sign on to teams and maybe the kid don't doesn't get on with a coach. It doesn't gel right. Maybe the coach puts the kid down a lot, something like that, isn't enjoying it. I can understand that again. Uh, the ones that I don't get is when people quit because their team's losing and join another team. I think that's embarrassing. I think as an adult to teach, your, teach a kid that is just totally the wrong way. Terrible. You know, it's, I think that's disgraceful. But I think there's other scenarios where you can kind of understand. So, you know... There's a difference, I think, in quitting your team when it's going badly. And then there's a difference in, like, you know, let's say your team's doing well. An academy team comes knocking on the door and is like, look, we want this kid. He's great. Again, he's maybe not necessarily quitting. He's maybe moving to yeah, a new, I better venture. That's a little bit different. Yeah, I think. so, but uh, look, anybody that just quits the team because they're losing or their chips aren't going well. They made a commitment and to teach that is 100% wrong and embarrassing in my book. Right. So, you heard it from the man himself. So, um, Carl kind of jumped on maybe the, fir- the first and second part of that question. Maybe, Sam, you can switch over to the third, the later part of the question, the latter. Uh, what's the effect on the player, their teammates and the culture of the team if that player quits the team? Well, I think on, on the player... You're teaching them that it's all right to quit, that like commitment doesn't really matter, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's a bad that's a bad life lesson. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, teammates. Teammates. 
I mean, again, it depends on the circumstances why that player's quitting, but same sort of thing. If, if you know, if, if you're on a team and you see a player quit, that kind of shows you that it's all right to, to be able to quit. Mm. Brings the mood down. On again, the team, yeah, it's, it's just another bad, bad, bad lesson all round, bad life lesson all round. How many times is a kid quitting because he wants to quit or moving to another team because he wants to move to another team? Or how many times is a parent driven? I think we can agree it's probably more parent-driven than it is kid-driven. I'm, I'm not sure there's many eight, nine, ten-year-olds out there in the world making decisions like that on their own because they see something bare on the other side. Like the grass isn't always greener on the other no, side, right? Yeah. So final part of the question then, Sam. Can the coaches and parents, we can ask it more from a coach's perspective, of course, as we're not parents currently, how can you spin it in a positive way? Or can you spin it in a positive way? If so, how? Someone quitting? Yeah. To your team or your your players? To your that, t- I guess. So, I assume so to Dan, the team. Dan leaves your team and you're going to announce it to your team? Is that the way? I, I guess that's what the question is. How can you spin someone quitting the team in a positive sense, if you can? I mean... I think I, you just got to be honest. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think there's a way to spin it. I don't know if there is many positive things that to come from it. Yeah, I mean, you could maybe use that player as an example and just say, look, this player's quit the team because, you know, let's say we're not winning. So this player's quit. You could use that as an example and say, like, look, and it sounds harsh, but you could say, look, that, that kid's never going to get anywhere. They don't have the commitment. They don't have the drive. So once, thing, once things go bad, that kid just wants to quit. Yeah. That kid's going to struggle in soccer. They're going to struggle in life because they've not got that bite about them. You could almost use it as, I would use it as, don't be like that kid. Okay. Yeah. What about so? I'll I'll just kind of play devil's advocate on it. What about if it's a kid on your team who was maybe a problem child, or maybe someone that wasn't behaving, and someone that wasn't clicking with the team, and they were causing the team up upset, and you and you know causing you guys trouble as coaches. You know, could you spin that? No, uh, maybe that's what the question is. That's maybe what they got the person who asked it is maybe going in that sense, that direction. No, I I think a lot of the times I've said on this. Focus on the negatives. It's just not needed. To focus on the decision the ref made is not needed. If a kid leaves your team, he leaves your team. He's not on the team anymore. You know, the first thing I do is turn around to the kids and I'll say, look, Sam's left the team. He's on a different team now. Next topic, done. You know, you don't need to focus on it anymore. It's nothing to do with you from that point. And why hang up on it on the kids? You know, if Sam wants to go into it and say, look, it's a bad, bad way and a bad life lesson. Don't be that kid. Then that's fine. But I think going into it anymore is just probably not needed. You know what I mean? It is what it is. And the kids, look, you went from 17 players to 16. More Great. Play, more playing time. More Johnny, time. more playing time. If they were a starter, right, brilliant. Who wants that position? Let's start working because he's not on our team anymore. So, so that's an example of spinning it in a positive way, maybe. Yeah, I think just moving forwards. Moving forwards, you know. Uh, Keep moving. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our three questions for the week. As always, guys, continue to send them in to us. You can send them in to me at dmccarthy at com, or you can go ahead and comment on our Instagram slash Facebook posts with the podcast on there. You see them spread around on our social media channels. We've got a few more in the bank ready for the next couple of weeks on the podcast. So we'll save those for you guys. So don't worry, your questions will get answered. And um, Sam, any leaving thoughts? Hey, let's hear that famous quote again.
that one's a good one. Oh, Dan's favourite. No, no, no. You're... Which one? Don't compare orange apple yeah, to orange. Yeah, no, let redo that, Dan, quickly. Just get him to deliver that. Just have a retake while we're live. You... Sam, any last enforce yeah. on the podcast? How would you like to leave part, part three, flight three of the podcast, please? Oh, well, I think the main message from this one is uh, let's not compare apples to oranges. Carl, last enforce? None. <laughs> None? No, that was a great ending. All right, don't compare apples to oranges. Or is it oranges to apples? I've got same thing. Same it? thing, yeah? Happy with that? Same, yeah, same. Like, All right. We're going to end the podcast on Sam's song again. Yeah, let's do it. Nah. <laughs> come on, come on. Well, yeah. you can sing it now. I sung it in my beautiful Irish accent. I've got you to sing it in your, you know, Cockney Southern accent. I've got to save my voice for the uh, Sports Centre on ESPN later. Maybe we come can do on a competition and get the listeners to uh, send us in the best versions of it. That doesn't mean, <laughs> that doesn't mean we start... Coming up with charts email, on the sidelines, please, guys. <laughs> I don't want to hear this. Go, Sol we'll, we'll announce the winners next week. Don't want to hear it. All right, guys. Good week. Another one done. Episode six over and out. See you guys next time. That was episode six of the Upper Nay podcast. Presented by Sound and Surf Soccer Club. This week in the club, practice as always on the beautiful fields of Manhattan Beach. On Tuesday and Thursday this week, Velocity returns to some of our lower to mid-range age teams. Make sure you check your team stat schedules and get yourself down there for some extra work with the quality coaches down there. On Wednesday, our skills clinic returns for a second to last week. 2010s to 2007s are welcome from 6 till 7pm. And the 2006 to 2004 age group is welcome from 7 till 8pm. Both down at Begfield, so make sure you get yourself down there for some extra touches and skills with our professional coaches. At the weekend, full league games as always. Just over the halfway stage now of the league. Good luck with your games, hope it all goes well. And finally, make sure you keep tuning in to our weekly podcast. Keep listening, show us the love, send in your questions and your feedback. And we'll keep providing the good stuff for you. Until next time, guys, take care. Bye-bye. Welcome to Upper 90, a podcast presented by Sand and Surf Soccer Club. Christopher Ronaldo lines one up from outside the dead ball zone. Ooh, cleat rocket execution.